need a different color pencil. So get a different color than what you have, preferably something a little bit brighter and happier. Okay? <clears throat> something brighter and happier. And now I want you to, in big letters, in big letters, not this scrawny stuff, big things, things that came up for you that you're thankful for. And fill the page. Things that you're thankful for that God showed you or things that you are thankful for. Even if they didn't come up in worship. Just write out in big letters things that you're thankful for. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple just to prime the pump because I know that you guys are writing. But these are just some that God gave to me. They're not in any particular order. My house, food, prayer, my history with God, worship, the presence of God, the tears, my friends, laughter, music, my eyesight, the Holy Spirit, 
the gifts of the Spirit, the body of Christ, my Bible, eternity with God, promises, salvation, healing, hope, my family, even the crazy part, intercession, my work, my country, my life. So see, what I want you to see is this picture. This is the picture that I saw from the Lord. Is that when I start getting rightly placed around thankfulness, all this stuff that was eating my lunch seems kind of small. Amen. And so this is an exercise for you that you keep moving in gratefulness and thankfulness with the Lord until those things become bigger than your eat your lunch things. Because if you'll notice, if we were to do your real life, this little box would be the whole page. Because that's what the enemy is trying to get you to do. Focus, focus, focus on what's bad, what's wrong, what's broken. Oh, I don't get this, and I don't know about this. Making you very small, right? So if you want your God to be really big so that your problems get in their right place. It's not that we don't have hard places. It doesn't mean that we're not hurting and that we don't need God to come through. It's just that when we see God rightly, everything starts lining up in a different way. Okay? So... Do with this what you need to do with the Lord. <clears throat> My heart is so full. I've had these really poignant conversations this week. And they you ever have those conversations that they kind of just get in your crawl and they roll around and you just have to wrestle with them and wrestle with them? And so that's this is the conversation. So I had this uh, conversation with this sweet friend of mine. Loves the Lord. She's been a Christian all of her life. She's serving. She's doing all the outer forms of great life with God. I mean, she really does love the Lord. But she said these two little comments that told me a whole lot about her posturing with the Lord. And so one of her comments was, um, she goes, well, she's just, she had her first baby a year ago. And she said, you know, I just, I had a hard baby. I mean, the baby's just really hard. And I, I just can't, I just can't believe it. And I was kind of mad about it. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, I just, I didn't deserve to have a bad baby. Like all my friends, and all my brothers and sisters, and they're all having these perfect babies. And I got this baby that, I mean, he's colicky. I mean, the first six months of my life were hell. I mean, it was just, I'm going, oh, I just didn't deserve that. And I was just kind of mad about it. Fast forward conversation, blah, 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 blah. So I'm going, oh, listen. So blah, blah, blah. We're talking about these different stories and things that God had done. And then she tells this story about how um, she was getting ready to deliver and um, uh, so let me try to censor this. Hold on. She started having complications during her pregnancy and almost lost the baby. And so when they actually delivered the baby, because everybody was praying for her for full full-term baby and healthy delivery and all that kind of stuff. And so when she delivered the baby, they actually delivered the baby and the uterus came out they saw this place in her uterus that had died. 
because you've had this placental problem. You guys, if you're dads, you know what I'm talking about. So when the baby comes out and the, the uterus comes out, there's this whole section that is dead. That somehow God just held her and held her baby in check so that she was able to have a full delivery, even though she had this whole strip of her placenta and her uterus was dead. Does this make sense? I mean, it's crazy. It's called an abruption or something. So I just said, that is so amazing that God would just hold. I said, God was just holding your baby. God was holding you, and God just had his hand on your baby, just holding it to fullness. And she goes, yeah, I know. I just, like, I just don't deserve it. I just don't deserve it. I said, and I went, there's that word again. Right? There's just that, that deserve word again. And so I kept just sitting on that, and we prayed together, loved on her, and God's got her. It's all good. Then I had this other conversation. I've had probably three conversations, maybe four, about people who are against the wall, and they're doing all the worldly tricks and trades. They're going to psychiatrists. They're going to doctors. They're on multiple medications. They're doing therapy. They're like years of therapy. They're doing like all these tricks of the world, but they're not getting any better. And they're frustrated. Or they're taking their child to the doctor, and the doctor said, this is your child's prognosis, and it's never going to get any better. Or another story is um, this person going, do I have permission to ask the Lord? Not even believing the Lord for something. Do I have permission to ask the Lord that my child not be sick. And this person said, or does God, listen, does God want to get glory uh, by making my child sick? Listen to that language. Does God want to get glory by making my child sick? Now, I don't know about your all's conversations, but everything I've just told you is stinking thinking about who God is. All right? And like, you want to get so agitated by this kind of language that you know how to press into a seed of truth, a pearl of wisdom, a life-giving word that when you plant that seed, the Holy Spirit breathes on it and it comes up and brings new life. Because it doesn't say that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities and that by his stripes we're healed for nothing. It doesn't say that for nothing. It also doesn't say that, you know, you, it's like this whole deserve. Let's come back to the deserve word. I, I didn't deserve to have something bad Oh, but I don't deserve the goodness of God. This is schizophrenic. Do you understand? This is schizophrenic. Is God good or is God not good? Because if you look at the word deserve, and I, I looked it up, to do something or to have or show qualities that are worthy of being rewarded or punished. It's like, it's a works, it's a works religion, really, is what it is. It's like you think you have a right to something, an action um, that... Somehow, it's depending on you. And so I just want to say, release out into the universe that Matthew says, Matthew 5 says that, that God is just and he reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous, the godly and the ungodly. Why? Because God is good. And God is good all the time. And it's really important that you can't, listen, Chuck <clears throat> and I have just been through the meal the last couple of three weeks. And that has been the attack. God's not enough. He's not good. He's not going to really come through for us. God's not good. He's not enough. He's not going to really come through for us. Oh, the pressure's so great. We don't know if we can take it. And you know what snaps my head around every time? It's just getting in his presence, 
worshiping and really going, oh, wait just a minute. Nice try, devil. Nice try, you lying SOB. You've been lying from the beginning. You're going to lie tomorrow, and you're going to lie until Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen. And he's always going to say, God's not with you. He's not for you, and he doesn't have the power to change you and your circumstances. And I'm a little bit sick of it. Are you guys? Yes. Yes. So when I hear people that are all this stuck business, ah, go get in the face of God. And go let his Holy Spirit wash over you. And it's like, I don't know if you heard what that pastor said. He said, the Holy Spirit has a power that only he can do it. And it's a gift. It's a gift. And you can go to the Lord and go, hey, hey, please, please. And it's not like, God's not around. He doesn't love me. And nobody's going to help me. That's faithless. But if you come needing, going, I know you're the answer. I know you're the answer. I know you're the only answer. God's heart wells up like any good parent would and go, love you, how can I help you? I just can't say this enough. And I want I want you to know that this is true in every circumstance of your life. What did you put down on your list? He's bigger. He's better. Behold, I make all things new. Some of you need to get some gumption before the Lord to go, hey, you said in Scripture, hey, you said right here, hey, you said. Because you're not being irreverent. You're just telling God about what God already said. He wants to know, do you believe it? Or are you going to let somebody else talk you out of it? No, this is the way to do life. This is the way to do life. I, I just want, I want to share this with you very carefully. But I, I was so confronted by a conversation I had today is that the world system in the church and out of the church believes that God does not have the power to heal depression, to break addiction, to bring to salvation. They believe that you have to go through all the world formats about how he makes it happen. That's not what the Bible says. It says that when the Holy Spirit shows up, things start breaking loose. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's like, I want to see us walking in that kind of expectation. Do you do you get, oh, God help me. I just like so worked <coughs> up about this because I had this whole stream of conversation on Facebook and them talking about this poor child, and not one person, not one person said, I believe God wants to work a miracle for your son. Not one. Why did everybody resort to all this other Christianese, and not one person said, God wants to heal your son? Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that God wants to heal everything that's on your paper? Not because you deserve it, but because he's good. See, when you understand that the pressure's off you deserving it, whoo! Now you can ask for a whole lot of stuff because it's not on your behavior. It's on Jesus' choice. And so now you've just got so much pressure taken off of you that you go, God, because of Jesus, may I? God, because of Jesus, may I do this through the power of the Holy Spirit? Not working it up, not trying to be somebody, just being who you are. So then this is another word. We started running down this whole conversation, the Lord and I, because I said... Oh, I'm going to name my message Grateful versus Entitled because I've been, we've been watching all these hilarious videos about the millennials, the entitled millennials. Have you all seen that stupid thing on Facebook? It's hilarious. I'll post it on my page. Mm-hmm. That they need a budget of $2,900 a month because they have to get their beards waxed and all their stuff. Anyway, di- digress. So we're talking about <clears throat> what it means to be a millennial, and they keep using the word entitled. And I even say that. Yeah, it's like that. They think they get that stuff without working for it. Blah, blah, blah. 
So like every other generation, just like my granny, just like my great granny, you know, it's like you can just hear it passing down the generations. Well, guess what? I went and looked up the word entitled. You know what the word actually means, the word entitled? It means that you have a right to be titled to that. Believing oneself to be inherently deserving because you have a legal right or a just claim to receive or to do something. Hold on. We use entitled like an insult to the lazy or the undeserving people in our culture. Got it? You track what I'm saying? We all got our racist things that we do about that. Well, I don't deserve that. We all got that. I'm talking about the actual definition of the word entitled means that you have a right to a title because someone gave you permission. It's yours. You own it. I'm going, hold on. We actually are entitled Christians because of Jesus. We have the right to lay claim to things in the kingdom because God said so. So we can come boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence, expecting to receive help and grace. Why? Because we're entitled. How do we get entitled? Did we do something? No. You claimed the name of Jesus and that was all it took. And then you keep coming forward going, make me all that you saw me to be. Listen, when we were praying and worshiping, I just had this moment with the Lord. Thank you for showing me who I am, God. And thank you for showing me who I'm not. And I think that's a word for some of you. Thank you for showing me who I am. And thank you for showing me for who I'm not. Because you live in the sewer long enough, and you think you belong in the sewer. And you think you deserve the sewer. But that's not right. Because you're entitled, because God has pulled you out of the slimy pit, it says in Scripture, and he set your feet in a spacious ground, and now you go, I'm amazed at the love of God. And now because you're amazed at the love of God, everything starts shaking loose in a completely different way. When I said for you to start going back and go, God, I want my whole heart back, it may take you five years to get that, but if you'll start with that one prayer of faith, God will do the rest of it. I remember when I prayed that, I mean, this is 10 years ago. And I'm not 100%, but I'm a whole lot farther than I was 10 years ago. And you want to be able to know that God's going to get you to the desired way. Why? Because I deserve it? No, because he's good. He's good. He's lavish. He's crazy about us. It makes his heart delight just to see us go, oh, I don't do that anymore. Wow, that's amazing. Shows me who I am, who I'm going to be, and shows me who I'm not and who I never was. And there's a way of you walking in this confidence. So the scripture they gave me was Isaiah, no, Jeremiah 33. I don't know if you got your Bibles, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. <clears throat> Jeremiah 33. It says, um, oh, this is funny to me. Even this sentence, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard. Are you in prison right now? That's awesome, because God's coming after you. Just like that song, that what I thought was prison was actually just vapors. Some of you think you're living in a prison and you could walk right through it because the Holy Spirit has already broken you out of your prison. All you got to do is walk forward. It says, Jeremiah 33, verse 2, This is what the Lord says, He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. He says, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. 
So some of you need to start right there. Call to me. And he's going to answer you. He just told you. And he's going to tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Oh, so, oh, you mean like all this stuff right here? Yeah, great and unsearchable things you do not know. Oh, and by the way, the Lord actually has more important things to tell you than whether or not um, you're going to get a house or whether or not you're going to homeschool next year or whether or not you're going to do a Sunday morning or whether or not health is an issue. Do you see what I'm saying? Great and unsearchable things that you do not know. He's going to answer all these day-by-day -day things for you too, but he's going to tell you something much, much bigger if you'll call to him. And then it goes through this whole thing talking about the condition of the city. It's in a bad way. It's been run over, dead bodies. It's bad. But then verse 6, it says, Nevertheless, regardless of the current state that it is right now, nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it, and I will heal my people, and I will let them enjoy. Listen to these words. And will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. That's something you could put on your mirror. Do you want abundant peace and security? Call to him, and he will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. I don't know about you, but when he woke me up, I was not full of abundant peace and security. I was freaking out. That's why my mouth was all broke out, because I've been freaking out for three weeks. And the Lord's going, Jenna, you can waste your time on this little tiny box, or you can thank me and see me for who I am, and I'm going to give you abundant peace and security. But you get to decide. Which one are you going to believe in more? Are you going to believe in this little box? Or are you going to believe in the great and unsearchable things because I, the Lord, said that I was going to do it? And then he comes over here and talks about, again, regardless of the condition of right now, it says that people, let me da 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 da, verse 9, then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor. You want to know how to bring about change in your life? Start talking about the Lord. Press into joy, press into praise and honor. And hear of all the good things that I do for it. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace that I provide for it. And then it goes on and says, <clears throat> Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good, and his, Lord, his love endures forever. So I just want to press you. I know we're going into Thanksgiving, but I want to press you to start cultivating a life that's full of um, your first response is thanks. I'm not there yet. I'll be the first one to tell you. I think that's where breakthrough starts. Bad news happens. You get another bill. Bad news happens. This doesn't happen. Thank you, Lord, that you already knew that. Thank you, God, that you've already provided for me. You get in another fight. You have another failure in your weak areas. Thank you, Lord, that you already knew that. Oh, that's another thing I'm supposed to tell you. All right, here you go. Three words. Write this down. There is a difference between... Your sin, your weakness, and the enemy. Your sin, your weakness, and the enemy. Your sin is something that the Holy Spirit's going to go, Hey, Janice, stop it. Hey, Janice, stop it. Hey, Janice, stop it. And your response, your only response is, Thank you, and I repent. And then in comes the Holy Spirit, and that breaks that fog. The sin. Weakness is you don't try to act like you don't have weakness. You don't try to act like, listen, sin and weakness are not the same thing. It's so important that you know that. It's so important that you know that in relationships. Hala, hold on a second. 
It's so important in relationships, whether it's in marriage, with children, or with your friends, or your co-workers. Sin and weakness are two different things. Your weakness is something that's inside you, part of your DNA. Why? Because the Lord wants to be glorified in your life. In my weakness, he is made strong. Therefore, I will all the more boast in my weakness. Right? But we don't let weakness become sin and I can do anything I want. Ah, oh, because I have a weak spot. No, that's sin. Do you hear the difference? Sin is a willful choice to go against the way of God. Weakness is a place where you need the Holy Spirit to give you strength and stamina. And then the enemy is trying to come in here and accuse you of being a wreck all the way around. I, I, I don't know, Chuck and I have just been talking. Our small groups, different conversations, people that we're ministering to. It's like the enemy is just doing this very big, huge wave of accusation. You can't do it right. It's not enough. I don't know why you do that. You're just such a mess. You're a wreck. Man, man, man. This is, you must be able, you must learn, not able. Holy Spirit, give us revelation to learn how to distinguish between your sin, which God has already paid for, so you don't beat yourself up. You make different choices. Your weakness, where you press into the Holy Spirit to give you strength and stamina and revelation, and the enemy that you tell to shut up. Some of you just need permission and authority to tell the enemy to shut up. And I feel like that that's what the Lord did. He woke me up in the middle of the night because I'm sitting here entertaining all this conversation with the enemy. So the Lord wakes me up going, Jim, wrong voice. Listen to the wrong voice. Whose voice are you listening to? You know how you can tell whose voice you're listening to? But what's happening in your soul? If you're full of fear and anxiety and anger, wrong voice. Boom. It's that simple. Why? Because I just told you. The Lord said when you call to me, I'm going to give you abundant peace and security. I tell you, you've got to keep coming back and checking your peace factor. That sounded so simple. It's true. In the same way that you have a backbone and your spine holds your whole body up, that's your peace factor. When you start falling all over the place, whether it's one thing or another thing, you go, God, whoa, strengthen my back, strengthen my spine of peace. And I go, oh, yeah, I, forget. I forgot who I belong to. I'm sorry. I forgot who I belong to. I'm entitled. I'm so entitled. I'm going to make T-shirts. I'm so entitled. <laughs> over you by faith because you're one of the few people that I know right now that actually want more of God. Because it doesn't mean nobody else enough, so I just don't know. Okay? I'm, I'm pressing in to you, for you, that you will get so hungry for the more of God that you won't let anybody talk crap about your God anymore and think that medication is stronger than Jesus and that some kind of therapy is stronger than the counselor, the great counselor, the good counselor of the Holy Spirit. That any kind of marriage can't be survived because we have the great Redeemer. That when children get sick, that God doesn't get glory from that. That he came down so that they wouldn't have to be sick anymore. And you're going to start fighting for that. And that you'll start releasing words off your mouth, out of your mouth, and say, I'm praying for a miracle for you. I'm believing total healing and restoration for you. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to blow you up and restore your family generations back and generations forward. If you want some of that, will you just say amen? Amen. amen. And I'm saying that God's trying to do something. He's not trying to. Listen. <sighs> He's not trying to. He is. The question is, is he going to do it through you? Because if you won't let him, 
No, there's somebody else that will. Equal opportunity. He's an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> I, I just got to tell you, I, I watch what's happening around the world. And I'm just starving for it. I'm starving for it. It's got to be more. There is more. If he'll do it for them, he'll do it for us. This isn't a city thing. This is a spirit thing. Oh, God, that we would be so hungry for the spirit that you feel free to move through us. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand up? Let me pray for you. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, why don't you just put your hands on your heart? Actually, we need to touch, touch somebody. Touch somebody. <laughs> this guy's got to part this stuff. Somebody come over here. We'll make a joke. <clears throat> so, uh, let's just do repeat after me prayers. I don't really like those, but I just have something on my heart. And I want you to pray this over the people that you're touching. So, Lord, I bless this person. Just pray that. I just release miracles and faith. Say it till you mean it. I release miracles and faith. I ask God that you would supernaturally realign their heart. Increase my faith, Lord. God, I just thank you for this little group, this little flock. Just even the rest of that passage about how you raised up this city and that they were a flock that ran under your hand. You put your hand and touched each little sheep as they went by. This place that you've led into spacious green pastures. You restore our souls, God. You prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I know that some of these stories are against the wall. And we go, yeah, don't forget about God. But God, but God, but God. God is not done with our stories. And if we're not singing, it's not over yet. Because he is the celebrating God. And we look for him to be salvation, to be healing, to be, um, to be the God of devotion. The good news, God. And so we just thank you that you truly are the best thing ever before and after and right now. So as we go into our families for Thanksgiving, Lord, would you give us courage and boldness? Would you just let, let your name be just spilling off our tongues, Lord? that we can't help but just talk about this beautiful God, this beautiful place, just your presence, the things that you've done. And God, would you make this list, this Thanksgiving list, get bigger and bigger and broader and brighter than any of the problems that the enemy is trying to use against us. And God, I speak about every box that was on this paper, supernatural, supernatural transformation. And we're not asking, we're declaring, and we believe it to be so. Hmm. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. I love you, Spirit. And we just want more of you. And we just thank you that you want more of us. <laughs> there it is. Thank you that you want more of us. And we bless you. Uh, God's people said. Amen. 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 Wow. Amen.